Hey there, and welcome back to this week's episode of the SM Talk Show. Enjoy. Yeah, my name is Kevin Patterson. Um, I've been polyamorous for going on 20 years. Uh, I've spun that into speaking about polyamory, how it impacts like race, representation, masculinity, and all sorts of other stuff. Um, and I, I'm the author of the book, Love's Not Colorblind, Bracing Representation in Polyamorous and Other Alternative Communities. That's awesome. Um, I'm sure a bunch of people have definitely read that. I've totally listened to you on Audible, which I want to let everyone know is available on Audible as well. And it's so nice to hear your voice. Um, you know, hey, you know, it's nice you. to listen to read someone, but when you hear it like in their personality and like their voice, and it's great. And I've heard you speak live, and it's just so nice for you to join us today. And um, the main reason why I definitely wanted you to join was because um polyamory is something that I'm thinking about, something that I'm um, kind of exploring now that um, I could say single-ish. And I just remember like whenever I think of polyamory in the black community, I think of you. So I just really wanted to talk to you. And when you said yes to speak to us, I was extremely excited. So. Hey, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to explain, like, I I don't know. So like, I have a bunch of questions. It's just like, um, who was your target? Like, from your from your published books and like when you speak like who is really who you are speaking to um i i always feel like i'm speaking to people who are either polyamorous or interested in polyamory uh, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of media and like that's what i talk about in the book about representation a lot of the media uh, about polyamory is for is from monogamous folks speaking to other monogamous folks so a lot of it is like salacious details you know uh, a lot of sensationalism a lot of um a lot of things that just sort of miss the mark and don't really tell our stories so right. my for me, for me, I want to talk to people who want to feel validated, who want to feel justified in their in their decision making. Or when people are feeling curious about polyamory, I want them to see people that look like them, regardless of what looks like them means. You know, I want them to see people of color. I want them to see trans folks. I want them to see queer folks. I want them to see disabled folks all being polyamorous, not perfectly polyamorous, just people living their lives, making mistakes, you know, learning, doing better and trying to do the um, the best they can for their themselves, their partners and their local communities. Absolutely. That's so great. Um, and um, so your family and everyone knows that you're polyamorous, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I always uh, jokingly say that I'm aggressively out about my polyamory. Okay. Um, and like, just because like my I'm 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 married. Um I started my polyamorous journey with the same woman that I would go on to marry. We've been together uh 20 years, married for 15. We've been polyamorous um, oh we've been non-monogamous almost the whole time. Oh my and goodness. From the outside looking in, we're just like some regular family, you know, we're a married couple with a couple of awesome kids. We've got a house in suburbia. And also we have other, uh, other loving relationships outside of ourselves. So I don't, I don't, um, I never, I never take that for granted the way that we look versus the way that we are. I never take that for granted. And I want people to see polyamory for all that it could be and not just think of it as like, you know, somebody's 24 seven orgy or whatever, whatever the, whatever the myth is. Absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely why I wanted to have you on because, um, I think while I was trying to explain that to you, while I'm not with someone, you know, like I don't have a partner and we have a polyamorous relationship. It's just me going out being like, hey, be okay with me doing what I want to do. I'm okay with you doing what you want to do. It's more along those lines. But I just feel my that this will be my way of life for like the rest of my life. I don't see myself settling down. I can always just see myself with anyone. who, And if it's more than one person at, the, at a time, that should be okay with everyone because that's okay with me. But it's just like, I feel like... It, the stigma or just what people think is like, oh, you just want to fuck everyone. And it's like, no. And it's hard explaining to people that that's not exactly where I'm going with this. 
Exactly. And like I and I always tell people like polyamory isn't like a fear of commitment. It's right. multiple commitments. You know, it's not somebody being bad at monogamy. It's someone being good at, at polyamory. And if um if you uh, there's so many times where we meet people and this is something that everybody experiences. We meet someone and we fall in love and then we meet somebody else who is also interesting. Maybe it turns into something. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's somebody you, you just find yourself infatuated with, or maybe it's a whole other person that you fall in love with alongside of the other person you've already fell in love with. I just don't like having to put those kind of boundaries on relationships. I don't like, the, I don't like the idea of, whoever got to me first gets gets exclusive rights to every interaction I ever have. Right. And these are like long relationships that you have outside of your main relationship. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny that you asked me that because like right now, all of my relationships are the longest relationship I've ever been in. Wow. Um, yeah. Like right now, like I've, I'm, I'm of course with my wife and like, I've got three other partners who I've been really seriously involved and invested in. And the, um, the three of them I've been with for like six, six, four and four years. Okay. Yeah. That is rounding very up. Long. Wow. I'm rounding yeah. up, but yeah. The, yeah. And I asked like, do you see your partners all at the same time? Cause I, the way that I'm kind of, directing it's just like separate times like you know like there's a time for you know everyone and like situation but like i do know or i'm friends with poly people who spend time with all their partners at once or multiple partners at once and i also had questions about that i was like that seems super hard to navigate not only one being a woman like i feel like it's different being a man having multiple partners and getting like you know a group together but like i feel like i would never be able to achieve that I mean, everybody does it their everybody does it their own way. Um, I typically date my partners separately, but okay. um, two of my partners are actually dating one another. So the three of us get together sometimes. Like, uh, like we'll like we each have our individual diets, and the, and all of those dynamics, those individual dynamics, are different. But every once in a while, we'll schedule some time for the three of us to actually spend, you know, a night together, a weekend together, what have you. Um, Last weekend, I actually took a trip down to the Jersey Shore where me and uh, my my three partners who I am not married to, um, we rented a we rented a house. We rented a we rented a, a house um, by the Jersey Shore, um, just like a little Airbnb where it was myself, those three partners and um, the nesting partners of two of, of two of those partners. So it was three dudes one woman and two non-binary folks and we went to this house together spent a weekend enjoying the beach yeah it's so funny you say that because i'm actually speaking to someone who just did that with his wife and it was like eight of them and i'm like that's a lot of people but he's like it always works it just works like we just have you know the chemistry we you know it's an, an, a good circle of people to be around and i was just like damn Okay. Now what you just what you just said there about having the chemistry, that's sort of that's sort of the key factor because like yeah. people screw up their monogamous relationships all the time. Uh -huh. People screw up their monogamous relationships for any number of reasons or for no reason at all. But you never hear someone say, like, boy, maybe I should you know, you, you rarely hear somebody say, Maybe I just shouldn't be doing this monogamy thing because they messed up a couple of relationships. But people do that all the time with non-monogamy. They screw it up once, they meet one person who's got a problem, and then they're like, you know, maybe I should just never do this again. Like, it's really a matter of the chemistry. It's really a matter of finding the right people, where just thinking about the six people who were involved in this Jersey Shore trip, mm -hmm. each of us have had a partner, where if you plug that partner into that same situation, the whole thing falls apart. But the six of yeah. the six of us work, you know, the six of right. us worked well enough to be able to have an awesome weekend. But like, I've got an ex, or this person's got an ex, or that other person has an ex. Where if you put them in that same place, that weekend falls apart real fast. Absolutely, like I feel like one person can just throw everything off. And I, I guess that was. Um, did did either of you watch? Well, I'm sure you've watched. She's got to have it. I hosted a a viewing party for for that when it released. Okay. 
yes yes so like that was huge like definitely um for me to watch because you know like i definitely felt like i related with nola or it's just like um it, it, i feel like it's just like a, a person like it's a sexuality or it's just like a a way of dating that's not really talked about or it's just like if you speak to half people they're like oh she's a hoe that it's like no like if a guy does it it's it's fine but it's just like it's just yeah. showing you how poised, how professional, how they know about each other, how she is about her space, how she is about her time. And then I just would hear so many people like shame her. And I'm like, please explain. Please explain. Well, like it's it's funny because I'm on the other I'm on the other end of that uh of that spectrum in that like okay. we we all gathered together. Uh, I I hosted a watch party for like the um, the pe the people of color of our local community, mostly black folks, and while we had problems with the show because it was a show about a sex positive, polyamorous, pansexual person, written and directed by a heterosexual cisgender uh, um, monogamous man, like while we definitely had problems with the representation, it wasn't about shaming her for wanting the life that she wanted to live you know it wasn't about trying to call it wasn't about trying to slut shame anybody it wasn't about trying to tell somebody you got to settle down and want and find one person like our problem was more what i said about like we're not uh we're not commitment phobic we're just making multiple commitments right she she was commitment phobic which is fine <laughs> just don't call it polyamorous and expect polyamorous folks to not have a problem with it absolutely I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's probably why season two got canceled. But yeah, yeah, I definitely thought it was, you know, it was just different seeing someone else, you know, like seeing a woman definitely in that position. Yeah. Being able to definitely relate with a bunch, like, you know, like we all have issues with the writing and like the director, but like, I don't know. Um, with I do not consider myself a commitment, you know, like have issues with commitment. Uh, it's yeah. just like now, like I see, like where I've gotten out of long term relationships, and I'm like, wow, like that was a long time spent with just one person. And it's not saying like I wasted time, but it would have been nice if I got to know like another person during this time, you know, because I definitely yeah. had that emotional availability that I clearly did not have in this, you know, relationship. I I had a I had an interaction once and it was like the it was the briefest of interactions. It was something like I went to an event and there was a there was a woman who, at the event who I had had some flirty chemistry with, but neither of us had the time to really spend with each other. We were both with other people at this event, but there was a point where like I just kind of touched her hand and she gave me a look and I gave her a look and it was this charged couple of seconds that we had together. And that was it, you know? And then she went back to focusing on her people and I went back to focusing on my people. And just those handful of seconds would have been a violation in a monogamous relationship. And that to me sounds unreasonable. You know, for somebody else, that sounds perfectly reasonable. For somebody else, you liking somebody's Instagram pictures is a violation. And I just... I, I I I don't have the energy to monitor my wife's Instagram likes. I don't have the energy or the desire to to tell her who she should or shouldn't be into, whether or not like somebody's attractive or not. Like I I don't have the the energy or the patience for that. And some people feel really committed to that. And if that works for you and if that makes you happy, that's cool. I just feel that people should be able to explore their options and decide what level of exclusivity they want in their relationships and not just have monogamy as this default setting that that might not work out for you that might feel constricting or claustrophobic to you absolutely and um definitely something i'm experiencing um two things uh like one is um people being in non-monogamous relationships just because their partner wants it. But like, say if their yeah. partner was like, hey, I just want to be with you, like they'd be fine with it. And I was like, you need to remind yourself that's not being, you know, polyamorous. That's just doing what your partner wants. And, I, you know, like as someone who doesn't really have that much to explain to someone, I was like, I wonder what you would have to tell someone who's going through that. I would, I would tell people that if... I, I don't like using the phrase you could do bad all by yourself. I mean, it's true, but like 
your relationship is supposed to fill you up. And if and if it doesn't, like somebody else, somebody else will, you know, like the, the thing I realized about not being with somebody is that it always sucks while you're with that person. But the second you're like, okay, we need to stop doing this, I'm out. The weight that lifts off of your shoulders is incredible. Right. So, like, if you're if you're doing something for somebody's benefit that that's not benefiting you, if you're if you're um, monogamous for someone who, uh, or you're polyamorous for someone, and that's not really what you desire, like, it it weighs heavy on you. Like, it it doesn't just impact your relationship; it impacts your life. It impacts all your other interactions, the way that you go to work every day, the way that you talk to your kids. Getting out of that situation sounds like this massive hurdle and maybe it is but the second you're over it you are over it for sure because it even got to the point where he would start lying and i was like why does he feel like he has to lie to you because he's been upfront about being polyamorous but he knows you don't like it so now he's feeling like he has to lie but like from the beginning this was the agreement or what you you know both talked about but like now it's just like this confusing misunderstanding that should have been understood from the beginning because it was explained but then like she's like oh yeah he was talking to this other woman i was like but he you know is non-monogamous he doesn't want to be with just one person so you can't be surprised if he's talking to another person but then he was getting to the point where he felt like he had to lie because he knew she wasn't okay with his polyamorous life but he still wanted her around so yeah. I'm just like, and that just not I feel like we need to normalize incompatibility as as neutral information, because a lot of times when people are in are incompatible, they want to make someone a hero and make someone else a villain. They want to feel all good about themselves for breaking up a relationship. Sometimes you just need to say, like, you know what, this isn't working for me. You want this thing, I want something else. Thank you for your time. Let's go our separate ways. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess you know, like when you are monogamous and you really really want to be with one person like you start to like oh i'll change for this person or oh, i'll do whatever they ask but it's like no it's like that's how you meet him like he's not going to change or they you know like yeah. anyone you know so i was and just like, i don't really know how to tell someone not to get involved with someone who they know doesn't just want them and polyamory communities are full of people with the same story of I'm polyamorous. I was with someone who said they were okay with it. And then two or three or five or 10 years down the line, they wondered why I never got over my polyamorous phase. And right. now they're upset. Right. It's like, you know? this is how I was when you met me. Yep. Yeah. So like, regardless of which direction it goes to, which direction it's going in, like just make the decision to say like, you know what? I'm not going I'm not going to take a whole bunch of bad information out of this. I'm just going to decide this isn't for me anymore and I've got to go. Yeah, I think that's great advice for sure. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> um Aubrey, um I don't know if you have anything to add, but like I remember like we did have a an episode. I think it's episode 3 where we spoke about that and it was just like I guess like going back to like just what people around us are saying, it's like our families especially are just like, especially black families are just like, what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You <laughs> Look at you crazy. Cause most, like most of our elders, like grandparents or like older aunts and uncles, they're married. And so in their mind, it's marriage and monogamy. So us that are like not into the traditional relationships, they're like, Oh, you're tripping and why would you do that and then they take it as like offense to their marriage and like if someone did that and to my husband or tried to date my like we're not talking about you like yeah different age groups like or they immediately start judging us like you young folks y'all just be like wait like we we just want different things and that should be okay and they don't see it that way yeah, and like a a lot of a lot of that, like uh, you know, you know, older generations, and they stayed married and monogamous for for a long time. Like they they make it sound as if their situations aren't different than ours. Where, right. like, there used to be a time 
where if I'm married to my wife, I go to work and she goes to work and we don't see each other for several hours a day. And then we come home and we always have something brand new to talk about because we ain't see each other all day. I talk to my wife all the time. You know, I'm like, I send text messages. She'll send me memes. We'll, you know, we'll post stuff on Facebook that we see. I always, I always know what, what's going on with her. I always know what she's up to. Like, we don't get a break period in terms of how much interaction and engagement we have. And then also, my wife has a job. She has a full-time job. She can go and leave me anytime she wants, as opposed to some of y'all's grandmamas who didn't have a job. Right. Yeah, didn't have a job, didn't have a bank account, didn't have a driver's license or what have you, and couldn't leave this guy that she was over with after year five. (laughs) Right. But we at the the 40-year anniversary celebrating. Yeah, and I was just like, 2022 is just a different time. Like, it's just, I remember, like, man, be like, what were you doing? And I would just like send her a picture on the per- of the person I was on a date with. She was like, oh, I can't keep up. I was like, nobody asked you to, number one. Secondly, stop trying to make yeah. me feel like a bad person because I'm dating. And then it just tries to make me feel like I'm a bad person. And I'm like, I'm young. I don't have children yet. I, this is what these years are for. Please don't make me feel like, I'm not, you know, keeping myself together because every time you talk to me, I am with someone different. That's yeah. not fair. But that's fine. Yeah. And like something something that I really enjoy about like about non-monogamy is that like if I was in a monogamous relationship and my and my situation, my my interactions, my engagement with my wife changed, that might be the end of our relationship, you know? Where it might be it might be a relationship extinction level event because You've seen as well as I've seen all of those game over t-shirts that married guys that married guys aware, all those ball and chain <laughs> narratives that oh no, since you got married, you let you know you let uh, you let yourself go. There's all of these, there's all of this fiction and narrative and pop culture surrounding people being miserable in their relationships and or in their long-term in their long-term relationships in their marriages. Well, my wife and I are not the same people we were when we met 20 years ago. And maybe that's something that would have ended us, you know, in, in some other time period. Whereas now it's like, well, let's figure out where we, where we fit together. Like she's a different person. I'm a different person. Our interactions don't look the same as they did 20 years ago. And that's fine. If there's a need that she, that, that, that she has grown that I can't meet, she can outsource that. You know, if there's a if there's something going on with us that doesn't like if there's a thing between my wife and I that no longer works, we don't have to focus on that thing that doesn't work. We can focus on the things that do and I can go get something else from somebody else. And I've been in relationships where a key factor isn't working anymore. I've been in monogamous relationships where something big isn't working and then that overshadows all the things that does that does still work. I don't have to do that anymore. You know, like if I'm in a relationship and thing A doesn't work, we can focus on thing B. I can get thing A from somewhere else. Right. Absolutely. And it's like, uh, maybe from my experience, um, I remember a long time ago hearing you speak on a panel where um, they were talking about polyamory being like white people shit. But to this day, I'm just like, I do not know that many people who look like me who are polyamorous and you know what and that a lot of that a lot of that is representational a lot of that is representational because the 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 media that comes out the books that that are released are are almost all written by white women like the books are almost all written by white women the the media focuses really heavily on uh cisgender able body you know um well to do white folks and then also a lot of, and, and as a result of that, like it's really easy to to not see yourself ref, uh, reflected in a thing and just think that it's not for you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, like I'm in, I, I'm in the Philadelphia area, and Philadelphia is hella black, you know. But mm-hmm. when I started, when I started my journey, I would find myself as one of very few black folk, black people at a at events. And that's not true anymore. You know, like just me being visible and not just me, but me being visible, me writing books, me talking about things, me pointing out like, Hey, where are the black folks here? 
change the dynamic. And now all of a sudden you start seeing more and more and more, at least at least locally. And I've I've heard that's a shift that's occurred in other cities as well. Okay, that's good to know. Cause like now that I'm in this new place, like, you know, like my illustrations and my artwork, it would be really nice to have like a black sex positive group of people, artists, you know, like anyone getting together. But I'm just like, is that a possibility out here? Like, you know, will I be able to get out here, people out? Out here where? Where you at? I live in Los Angeles now. Okay, Los Angeles. Yeah. All right, I don't, I don't know a ton. I don't know a ton of people in Los Angeles, but I know a few. Like I could give you some names for people. Like, uh, um, people are sort of, um, keep an eye on. You know, like maybe someone's has, maybe somebody has an event. Maybe somebody is hosting something. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That would be great. Like any anybody black, anybody you know, sex positive is like the people I'm trying to connect with out here. You know. Yeah, like as, as as just off the top of my head, I think William Winters hosts stuff in Los Angeles under the name the Bonobo Tribe. I think Jamila Dawson does us uh, like sex ed and relationship coaching and stuff out of Los Angeles. I think Erin Tillman does like dating advice and dating uh, and like dating coaching and like that sort of thing out in Los Angeles. I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure, but like just following people around, seeing where the events are, seeing who's doing what. You can end up just you end up finding the community, and if you can't, you could always start it. Exactly. Because, like when I said that uh, I hosted a uh, a a a party for uh, she's got to have it. That was just it. I was just like, you know what? This is black. This is a polyamorous character. I want to host something that black folks are gonna go to. So I went into my local community, the the Facebook page for it, and I said, "Here is a POC, a POC exclusive event. We're watching. She's got to have it." And when Black Panther, the first one, came out, uh, I, I I bought a dozen tickets myself and said, "Come on, Black Polyamory, we're going to see Black Panther." And people showed up. People showed up. You know. It. Yeah, see, like, that's what I want to do here. Yeah, sometimes it's just as simple as saying, I want to do a thing. Hey, Black polyamorous people, come do this thing with me. And people start showing up. The, um... The the group Philadelphia, which is like a local community group that I'm a part of here in Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia area, uh, it got started because um, this one couple wanted to see wanted to see uh, they wanted to have like a meetup they wanted to like meet people so they just went on okay cupid they uh they went and found anybody who had polyamory listed in their okay cupid profile and invited them to a house party and like a dozen or a couple dozen people showed up and next thing you know we've got a facebook group with over a thousand people just oh my because goodness. just because somebody wanted to have a potluck yeah, that's what I do love about Philly, though. It's definitely a community city, for sure. Like, people just, like, trying to network and get to know each other. Not saying that L.A. isn't, but, yeah, I definitely do miss, like, that community sense of Philadelphia, for sure. Word. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, Taylor mentioned earlier, like, in dating and, like, the misrepresentation from people, like, the question that they ask us instantly is always, like, do you like women is always the first question. And does this mean that you're always down for threesomes? And it's like, I really want you to understand what polyamory is. First. No, that's not, that's not it. Like, right. Right. It's yeah. just like those questions don't really necessarily go together. You know what no, I mean? Right. And those are always the first two questions. Like always. Yep. Like no matter that's, who that's I'm right. talking to. That's representational as well, because uh, uh, often the representation we get is one one uh, cisgender heterosexual white guy with two um, cisgender bisexual white women, and they're all thin and conventionally attractive, and the, there's a picture of just their feet sticking out the side of a bed or uh, <laughs> at the edge of a bed under some blankets and things like that. Like that's a representational thing, and that's that's why I like. That's why I like doing uh, content that's about people telling their own stories because it's not it's not what it looks like. It's just what monogamous media tells us it looks like. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. And so do you feel like you've had a lot of success teaching the Black community about um, polyamory? I mean, it, it's hard to gauge. What I can say is 
my wife and I were on the cover of the Philadelphia Daily News a few years back. Uh-huh. And we talked about a local, we talked about a local community. And at the time I was an administrator for that local community. And I was one of the people who was in charge of intake. And we got in over the next couple of months after that newspaper article, we got in hundreds of new members. And at least like two thirds of those folks were black folks, you know? So if that, if that means that we are giving exposure and resources and community to those folks, then I'm here for it. Um, I know full well that when the digital version of that article came out, I got messages on uh, all the time from somebody saying, hey, I showed this to my wife. Hey, I showed this to my boyfriend. Hey, I you know, like this, this, uh, this, uh, this, this article came up in my local community, our local discussion group. It showed up uh, a bunch of times on our Facebook group in conversation. I just want to make sure for me, like for me, it's about getting that exposure out there just to let people know, like that you can have that conversation, you know? I love the idea that somebody went up to their partner and said, hey, I read this article. What do you think about this topic? And then that turning into a real conversation. My only problem with monogamy is that it always feels like it's set up as a default setting, that people don't know that they have the options. They don't know that they can have a conversation about what they want exclusivity to look like because we get told relationships are only supposed to function one way where you meet someone, you get exclusive, you get a house together, you get engaged, you get married, you have a kid, you die, you know? And I want people to be able to understand that they have the option to customize their relationships. And it feels like the kind of content I've created, the kind of exposure I've gotten has given people license to have those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, I was also going to ask this, like, has anyone ever but like you saved my relationship we were on the brink until we opened up and we you know became polyamorous and without your book and without like you speaking to us like we you know we wouldn't have done that i haven't had that exact conversation but people have come up to me at times and said like hey this inspired some conversations this changed the way that we function you know i i wouldn't want to take credit for it for for saving anybody's anything but <laughs> Just giving people the tools and the language to have conversations in their relationships that they weren't already having, that's that's enough for me. Absolutely. And getting back to Poly Philadelphia, is that what it was called? Um, Polydelphia. Polydelphia. Um, how how often are those meetups? Like do they have like monthly meetups, like quarterly? Cause that sounds that sounds great. Like I Yeah, the um the current admins have been doing like a monthly thing. I went to uh, like the last one was just this Friday and I went to the one before that. And it was great seeing like a number of black folks there that didn't come in my car, you know, because that used to be that used to be the thing. Like they ain't all come with me this time. It's like I know every black person. <laughs> I got yeah. it now on one hand and we all came together. <laughs> yep. But yeah, that's just so great to hear because even the last event, I think it was called the Sex Exchange uh, panel. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's where I, the last time I heard you speak and I was just like, this is, you know, th- even this is great because I feel like that was one of the last events that I went to where the, it was predominantly like Black women or non-binary people, you know, so right. it's nice to be, you know in a room full of people that look like you and identify with you have the same struggles, the same, you know, questions to ask, you know, people who we feel comfortable with. Like, it just felt like such a safe space. And like, I would love to um, really take that wherever I go. I lived in Albuquerque. So Aubrey and I met in Albuquerque. Uh, That's where I was living before I moved to Los Angeles. But yeah, I would definitely love to bring it here. Like, it's just, um, even with my artwork, like it's just like finding more people who are interested in that or just like finding more voices of similar people who are polyamorous and black and, you know, not yeah. monogamous. Yeah, just more people like okay. us speaking in more social events. Even 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 in Albuquerque, Albuquerque's got Albuquerque's got some 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 good setup. I've met some some dope polyamorous black folks in Albuquerque. Um I spoke at uh I spoke at self serve in Albuquerque um a few years ago and like you have the class there and I I I bought one of those classes during the pandemic 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I remember, I, I remember, I, I I met a woman there at at, uh, at self serve, and like we we chatted a little bit about like you know how to have a conversation with her husband, and she ended up messaging me like months later and said like, hey, I remember, I don't know if you remember us having this conversation, but I gave you this article, uh, but you gave me this article to read, and I showed it to my husband, and now we're now we're we're doing our thing. Okay, yeah, that's what I was like. I'm sure people have come to you and been like, listen, thank you. Like, you really, really helped. Like, it was so nice just hearing your perspective or just, like, you know, like, being able to hear you speak about your, you know, life. Because this 20 years is a long time to be polyamorous, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, oh I think so, too. And, and to do it and it be successful and it, yeah. and it work and it be peaceful and everybody, everybody's happy and in a good space. So, yes, that's phenomenal yeah and like there's there's been ups and downs there's been there's been yeah. lots of ups and i mean there's been lots of downs but far more ups um there's been some drama but there's been far more peace and really it's just about managing your expectations communicating openly honestly clearly um and accepting communication absolutely we like, talk about that a lot for sure <laughs> say what yeah, you want like, <laughs> and what you don't and what you're not comfortable with so yes yeah, like there's so there's so many times where somebody there, there are times where people are just being dishonest, and then there are also times where people don't feel like they have the room to be honest. Uh, and those, like, I mean, they might lead to the same place, but they're two different things. Just giving giving somebody the room to be honest with you, even when it's like uncomfortable honesty. And I'm not talking about brutal honesty. Honesty doesn't have to be brutal. I just mean like giving somebody the room to tell you their truth without punishing them. Like, I, I just, so much, uh, so many of the problems we run into in relationships in general, but polyamory in, in particular, are just communication issues. And if you're able to like excel um, at communicating with, the, with, uh, with your people, you, you solve so many problems and you make yourself, you make yourself more relatable and more endearing to the people you're with. Absolutely. Yes. Um, could you drop the article name for us, please, for our listeners, so that they can go and check it out? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what I, I'm gonna see what I can find here because it's been a long time since I've looked at it. It was, it was years ago. Okay. Yeah. Also, I'm experiencing a lot of um, married people in ethical non-monogamous relationships, rather than couples who are not married being polyamorous and i'm just like it like is that the security that people need or is it that just like i'm, it sorry. Makes I'm sorry if you get uh if you get um ask me that again I, I, yes i'm I just saying like something that i've been noticing is a lot of like married people in polyamorous relationships rather than people who are just dating in polyamorous relationships um yeah i mean it's it's a uh, it depends on what you're looking for. Like, I see a lot of both. Like, obviously, I'm I'm a married person. Um, most of my partners are are unmarried, um, but have nesting, but have nesting relationships. People that they live with, and like that's their sort of focal partner. Um, not every not everybody wants to be partnered in that way. Um, solo polyamory is a thing where, where someone might have multiple partners, but they don't feel like they need to pair off or nest with somebody. And that's that's equally as valid as somebody like myself who's married and dating outside of that marriage. Yeah, and I ask that because I see myself as a solo a polyamorous person. Like, I would always, like, or, like, when people ask me about families and stuff like that, I was like, I see myself with kids, but I just don't see myself with, like, a partner. I would, you know, like yeah. to, you know, have who I have and like, you know, they're around, but it's just like, I, I don't see myself partnered with anyone specifically, uh, especially no one's not one person. You know, I found that article. It is called you and me and polyamory. And it's, uh, in the, it's, uh, in inquirer.com. So Philadelphia inquirer. Okay. We'll be able to share that. Oh, sorry, not you and me, just you, me, and polyamory. Yay. Yep, and it's me and my me and my beautiful wife right there on the front page. <laughs> <laughs> that is so beautiful. That is amazing. 
Um, so what advice like do you have for couples? I think Taylor probably already asked like discovering and testing polyamory, not just couples too, like even single people. So like Taylor mentioned that like she's in this space where she sees this that being her lifestyle. And I could definitely echo and say that I am in a very similar place of like, I think that this is just the space that I want to navigate in. Like, what advice would you give us yeah. on how to get into that, how to navigate it, what to look for, what not to do, and things like that? Um, well, the in terms of getting getting into it, what I would say is find whatever whatever city you're nearest to and just uh, and just Google polyamory in that city. Find out where the meetups are. Find out what the the local what the discussion groups are, whether that's in person or online. Um, read the room. Listen more than you talk. Figure out what you know. See what 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 mistakes people make. See what the conversations look like. Um, one of the biggest like the, the quote that I always throw around is Mike Tyson's got a quote that I love. This is um, everybody's got a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. A lot of people come to ethical non-monogamy spaces with a whole bunch of high-minded ideas of what they want to do, the kind of relationships they want to be in, the kind of relationship structures they want to inhabit. They come to the table with all these ideas. And then you meet a person that you fall in love with that doesn't fit into any of those concepts. Do you give up the person or do you give up the concept? You know? Exactly. Uh, my my wife and I used to run into that problem all the time where my wife my wife would have a whole bunch of rules and boundaries, none of which exist anymore. But my wife would come up with a bunch of like, hey, maybe we should do this. And I would say, fine, because I didn't really have an opinion either way. And then next thing you know, she'd start dating somebody and she'd have to go outside that rule that she made. And I wouldn't really care because I didn't have an opinion in the first place. And then I would start going outside of that rule. And then she'd be like, hey. You're breaking the rule, Kev. And I'd be like, you've been breaking the rule for six months. And wow. then, we'd have to, then we'd have to sit down and realize, why do we even have that rule? I don't know. And then the rule would go away. So, like, just having a whole bunch of rigid ideas about what you want to do in, in, in your non-monogamous journey, that's going to fall apart real fast. You should be, you should be prepared for that eventuality. Absolutely. I was just speaking to a, a man he his wife wanted him to be polyamorous he eventually meets someone who isn't her mind you she's dating whoever she wants he meets someone who she like who he likes like spending time with and she lost her mind she just wasn't happy with him being with someone else and i'm just like i don't know if that's polyamorous she just needs to get checked out mentally i don't know it's just like she lost her mind once he started dating but she wanted to date yeah, and sometimes sometimes the kind of energy we have for our relationships shifts, and you need to be prepared for that as well. Um, I've, I'm, I'm currently in a relationship where one of my partners, I was sort of this emotional centerpiece in their life for, uh, for, uh, for an amount of time. And then they ended up meeting somebody else, and that person sort of took that role. It was a role that I could never inhabit as fully as the person that she eventually started uh, that, that they eventually started seeing. Mm -hmm. And so like I had to make I had to like did I feel a way about it? I did because you know I uh because like all of a sudden it felt like um the energy of our relationship was changing and I'm like, you know what? I could either I could cry about this, I could feel some sort of way about this, or I could understand that I still have a place in this person's life. The person that, that this other person that they're with suits them better for the thing that they need, and they're really happy about it. I I don't need to I don't need to fall apart over this. They're happy, and I'm still in their life in a way that makes me happy. I'm good. Why am I upset? And like, yeah. it wasn't about it wasn't about pretending that I that I wasn't upset. It was about feeling my feelings. And then making the right choices around those feelings in a way that didn't like sabotage myself or their relationship or hurt anybody that didn't deserve to be hurt or anything like that. We lose a lot of sight of that in, in, in relationships. There are times where we feel a way and we need to make it somebody's fault or we feel a way and we need to like react in a way that uh, that's, that, that's basically pushing the self-destruct button. 
Yeah, I think that's what it was. But I was just like, I don't understand. Like, I thought it was both ways when, you know, you decide to be polyamorous with someone, you have to be okay with that. Like, that's, you know, everyone's okay with the openness. And not every and not everybody's not everybody's as okay with it as they as they think they should be or want to be, and that's okay too. I just think you need. I just think people need to acknowledge that. Um, one of my colleagues and friends, uh, Evita Evita Sawyer's, who does a uh, a lot of work on like on Instagram, Evita is fantastic for telling people where their problematic points are. Like people want to make it, you know, people want to be perfectly, perfectly not jealous, perfectly welcoming to every partner and perfectly welcoming to every metamorph, their partner's partner. And Avita's like, yeah, nah, that's not always going to be the case. You know, sometimes you just have to be honest with yourself. Sometimes, sometimes being polyamorous means that like you understand and you accept that your partner has somebody else, but maybe you don't want to be around them. And that's cool too, you know? Absolutely. Like my my wife my wife has people in her life that I've been that I've been really cool with, you know, that I've been buds with, go to a football game with. And my wife has had people in her life that I just don't want to don't want to have much to do with at all. And in in both cases, that's fine, you know, as long as I'm not trying to restrict uh what they're doing as long as I'm not making my feelings their problem. Absolutely. And you said like uh your two partner your three partners that you were not married with like you've been with for a while. Like are are you still looking for more like how how does that happen? Like would you say it happens organically or you're just like I have my, you know, partners and I'm not dating. Like I'm I'm, I'm set happy with who I'm with. Like it, it for me, it uh, it happens organically. I think yeah. I'm pretty settled in those relationships. Uh, and as as far as having like like big time emotional investments, big time involvement, like you know, setting up setting up reoccurring dates on the calendar. I think I've hit my limit for that. But right. like I've also got people who I'm just sort of casually sexual with. You know, I've got people who I'm friends with, and sometimes that friendliness turns into something more, and sometimes it 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 doesn't, and that's fine too. I just let it I just let it um I just read the room and let it and and let you know I I take what the defense gives me as as far as like the relationships that I'm in outside of those like core four. Okay. Yeah, that's just it's so nice speaking with you and just like having, you know, like that polyamory, you know, co- conversation with someone who, because like Aubrey and I talk about it all the time, but you know, like you've written <laughs> books about it. It's like, you know, like you, you're, you're married and like you've had successful relationships with it. So it's just so nice to hear success, especially like within the black community. And yeah, to have like such talented author and artist with us. Like it's been really nice having you join us. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really trying my best out here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And do you have any events coming up, like any times that you're speaking or any um, um, attending? Yeah, um, myself and Dr. Liz Powell have been um, have been teaching these classes under the uh, under the label of "Unfuck Your Polyamory" for for since like the beginning of the pandemic. We have a recorded six week uh, webinar. On the website unfuckyourpolyamory.com, that's available all the time, and it's it's pay what you can uh, for that. And also, we're teaching a class. Um, boy, I forget the I forget the date, but we're teaching a class um, that's more geared towards uh, professionals who might have a polyamorous clientele, like a one-on-one class for for like you know ther- therapists, coaches, uh, medical workers, people who might have a polyamorous clientele. We're um we're going to be teaching we're going to be teaching that really soon the the tickets are available on forbiddentickets.com if you look up uh unfuck your polyamory or dr liz powell that should pop right up okay awesome like uh thanks again for and it's all in the philadelphia area right um the uh the classes are the classes are all online all online okay gotcha i wasn't sure if they were like in person but yeah that's so great because then anyone can attend but yeah, so yeah, I know yeah, I last 
one of your classes was um that I had I took on self serve and self serve again is um a, a boutique slash sex toy store and you know sex education shop in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, and I love the books at self serve. Did you visit? Did you visit New I, Mexico when you were there? I did, yeah. Um, when when the book "Love's Not Colorblind" uh, came out in uh, March of 2018, I I traveled to Tucson and Albuquerque, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Like I I had a whole country. I, I, t- I toured the country, um, selling books and telling people about themselves. Yay! That's so exciting. Yeah, I'm excited for you know all of your upcoming. Uh, projects and you know books and stuff like that and um Aubrey did you have any other questions for Kevin um yes so when you had mentioned in the earlier in the episode about managing your expectations could you shed like a little ounce of light on what that means and what that looks like um a lot of like, a lot of time like like I said we we come in, we come into a lot of these relationships with ideas like we'll formulate so much in our heads and there've been times where I'll meet somebody and I'll have in their head like okay well this is just going to be about some one night stand shit this is going to be a casual hookup and then 3 years later we're still together you know if if I had been really rigid about my expectations you know that might have thrown me for a loop but instead, I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to, like, my whole expectation in every relationship is we're going to get together when we can, and it's going to be awesome when we do. That's it. That's all, that's the only <laughs> expectation I put in. So when somebody has to cancel on me, um, I don't fall to pieces about it. It's just like, okay, well, I guess I'll do something else with my life tonight. Maybe we'll get catch up to uh, later. If I... And I want a long-term relationship with somebody, and it turns out that it's just like we're good friends. That's fine. That's fine. Like I don't want, I don't want to walk in there getting put in the cart ahead of the horse, in terms of uh, the people that I'm with. Like just managing your expectations. Like happiness is a product of your expectations. If you're expecting the world and you only get a crumb, you're gonna be upset. But if you're not expecting expecting anything, you can appreciate that crumb, and that's. You know, like like my polyamory, my polyamory, the way that it is, it might mean that I can have a date every night of the week or it means I could get canceled on every night of the week. And as long as I'm managing my expectations, I'm fine in either direction. Like it it sucks to get canceled on, but that means I have more time to write a book. That means more time to to get on, you know, get to get on my PlayStation and catch up with the fellas. That's more time I can spend with my kids or my wife or dating somebody else, you know? So just keeping keeping an eye on what you expect to happen and then managing your your behavior, your responses, your emotional response to when things change, that's crucial. But that's life in general, really. Absolutely. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yes. Thanks again. Uh, we really enjoyed having you. Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. Y'all have a good night. You as well. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) All right. Thank you for tuning in to today's sex episode. Before you go, please make sure you share this podcast with someone and give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're tuning in from, be it Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, follow us on Instagram at underscore SNM Talk Show. We'd love to hear your feedback, stories, or even ideas for future shows. Have a good day. From Taylor and Aubrey Monet of the Sex and Mindset Talk Show.